0: Welcome to the best podcast available, Training Camp Edition. Here are your hosts, Jason Gibbs, Andrew
1: Gribble, and Nick Shook. And we welcome you in to day number three of the best podcast available, Training Camp Edition. Gibbs, Shook, Gribble, styling and profiling with a hat for white. day three and for the white. next 30 days. It's surgically attached to his head.
2: Why don't we? A lot of white shirts out today. It's hot.
1: It, it's hot day. Yeah, it, it is a very very warm day, to say the least. I didn't get the memo, of, evidently. That's all right.
3: You got a T-shirt on. Yeah,
1: that's a nice T-shirt. I went. I, went I cool. did not
3: get that T-shirt. I went dry fit, very cool. You know why I did? I benefited from being the only person in the in the department that wears extra large. I got all the XL stuff. Well, Shortage, a little bit larger, and they
1: don't have anything in my size.
2: Shortage on the on the L's right now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm wearing some some 2018 gear right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, so that's your fashion update from the best podcast available we are uh we're recapping day three it was a hot day it was a hot morning uh definitely i think one of the bigger crowds from the first three days a lot of people uh somewhat into it you know it took a little bit to get going but uh, by the end of practice they were they were up and at them but first day in pads and a big day for this football team from an offensive side of things and a defensive side. And much like yesterday, Gribbs, you can take a positive, come some positives away from the offense and the defense.
2: Yeah. I'm taking more positives away from the defense today though. I think it was, really? I, I liked what I, I mean, they, they made things difficult and made things tougher for the, there's a reason why there didn't seem to be as much excitable moments is because the offense really wasn't getting much going. And I think that, and i focused mostly on the first team offense versus first team defense there was obviously a lot some highlights with the second team offense third team offense but really it took until the end of camp today which was maybe the most impressive offensive stretch we've seen in all 3 days but it took a while to get there you know and, and baker looked great in the red zone period but clearly when he got frustrated the period before that uh, got upset with some people for not running the scramble drill i uh, i think that was obviously a reflection of that play but it was a tough day up to that point uh, before he lit into his group a little bit
3: there was probably a good amount of a cause for concern leading up to that two-minute drill because the offense just was disjointed they just couldn't really get much going and you know like you said you know they couldn't get guys to finish their routes so it just didn't seem like a very good offensive practice you had guys false starting you had all kinds of uh, you know blocks being missed especially on the edge and this is a very good defensive line but that two-minute drill really did save their momentum for the day and opened everybody's eyes again to, wow, this is a very talented group. And when they have to move quickly, they can move the ball very fast. It covered 60 yards in three plays. It was a heck of a, of a display to close practice and a positive momentum going into uh, Sunday. But I was surprised that despite the defense really winning most of the day, the defensive line wasn't quite as good as they were the first two days. And I think a lot of that had to do with pads. J.C. Treader kind of predicted it yesterday. Which was that you know he think he said the defensive line thinks they're going to get an advantage from putting pads on them. and really we're going to get the advantage in the offensive line because now we can get physical with them with before we couldn't really didn't have anything to grab on and I think that showed at times today.
1: All right, let's get right into it. Practice number three in the books. Game balls. Let's start handing them out. Gribbs, we'll start with you.
2: You know I'm going a little off the wall here. I'm picking T.J. Carey. I think that he is an often overlooked guy at at corner, but he's been with the ones basically since the since the OTAs has begun, largely in the slot. Uh, Gets an interception on one of the first plays in 11-11s. And he, he's also, I think, an, another guy that benefits from the pads being on. He likes to get physical with receivers. I think when you have the pads on, you can get away with a little bit more than when you're just in the jerseys out there. He plays his best against bigger receivers. We saw what he did against Julio Jones last year uh, against the Falcons. I, I, I just think this kind of environment benefits him. And I think when we t- talk about this Greedy Williams-Terrence Mitchell competition, it's almost overlooked that T.J. Carey is – a likely starting cornerback on this team, and you're kind of figuring out everything else. But no matter what happens, uh, if Greedy Williams is fighting Terrence Mitchell for a job, then you've got four corners you can rely on, and I think T.J. Carey is one of them.
3: Yeah, I think that's the exciting point that you take away from that is that you have four very solid corners, and and it was a really good day from T.J., who had had you know kind of rough couple of days, so that was yeah. exciting. But my guy, my my game ball guy is going to be a uh, Blake Jackson who. Uh, found some spaces. You know, you you talked about earlier. The second and third team, you know, maybe made some plays. Well, Blake Jackson was a star of the second team. He was a frequent target, um, and and he did really well against Javante Dean a few times uh, in one-on-one situations where Dean was all over him, and he still made the grabs, or he made some grabs in tight spaces, juiced guy out, that kind of thing. Uh, Had caught a ton of balls today and and looked really good uh, in those sessions.
1: Damon Sheehy Giuseppe. To follow up on the Blake Jackson train, uh, so a couple wide receivers in the back of that room competing for those last few spots. That we've talked about it both in in the training camp preview and the last two days. That that battle seems to me maybe the best battle going on right now here in training camp. Guys really competing for spots, and Giuseppe had, had another nice day today, and we'll hear from Freddie later on on both Jackson and Giuseppe. And the contributions that they made so far, but I thought I, I think he's had a nice day, and uh, right up there though, I don't want to shortchange Kerry because I think TJ's had a really good. I think he's had a better camp than maybe we think, or at least I would tend to disagree that he's had just that he's been a little off. I, I think he's been pretty solid, and I thought that you know all three game balls today worthy. Participants to say the yeah,
2: least. I was throwing an honorable mention. It's another wide receiver. I thought Derek Willies has looked yeah. really good the last Boy. two days, and he made yeah. a, he made a bunch of plays today as well. Yeah. And I think that he's got that the size that is maybe missing in that wide receivers room. If you're looking for advantages to give to certain players, there's no one that's built like Willies in that room
3: right now. Uh, on your point about uh, Sheehy, uh it seems like his story is starting to become a favorite among the fans. Perhaps I believe di- you had that. Perha- yeah, I did. I, yeah, uh, mark it down. Had I that. had that. Uh, perhaps a modern day Ben Gay, um or, or somebody like that. Uh you know, it's he's popular with the fans. The metrics even show, you know, we, our traffic is up on those stories, which is crazy because that story was published months ago. People keep going ago. going back to it. Months <laughs> ago people, It people, was the
2: number four red story on our website on Thursday. People, the first day of camp. Yes. Yeah.
3: People are, are retweeting my tweet from months ago related to that story still. Uh today somebody did. And you go all the way up the chain to the top to ownership. They even like how much he's how hard he's working. So you know, I had a nice conversation with them today, and they, they are also noticing. Wanna, so, you know, he's
2: a big story. I want to go back to one point, and that is the, the, the two-minute drill where the offense looked really good. I overheard a fan talking Ooh. about this, and it's something I've noticed basically since he's come onto this team. But how comfortable does Baker look when the pace is picked up? Oh. I mean, that's when he is at his best, and that's when I wonder, is this what we're going to see more of? Because every time this team runs with pace, it seems like Baker is just
3: that much better. And because
2: Obviously, he had three, two wide receivers make three great catches on that drive, but the throws were, were perfect on each one of those.
3: He's decisive. He, he, he's quicker with his decisions, for sure. I'm watching that series with Jim Donovan on
1: the sideline, and it, neither one of us said a word, and it got done, and we looked at each other, and he was like, so that's how this is going to be this year. <laughs> and I said, I wouldn't mind that. If we went up and down not three plays, all. 65 yards, 30 seconds. Yeah. If that, <laughs> not at all, not a
3: problem at all. <laughs> that's your scoring recap. And right it, there. it really like was a reality check too. once the second and third team offenses came in because they struggled and they couldn't get the ball very far on the field. And then you go back and you're like, wow, they moved it with such ease. I mean, that's the potential of this offense. It's very exciting. Yeah.
1: And, and there were moments where you know, we saw Baker get a little upset with some of his wide receivers and at times looked a little off, but then there's that series and it's just like, Click, click, boom, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, maybe he's just working on some things on his own because he knows what he has to do.
2: Well, the back-to-back days, the two most competitive moments of practice, he's been at his at best. His best. That, that final play on Friday's practice was perfectly executed. Yeah. So, I mean, he is a gamer. Clearly last year he practiced really well too. He's been practicing very well this year, but the accuracy just gets a little bit better when something's on the line it seems like.
1: So, a few injuries of note today. Uh, you know, Duke Johnson out uh, with a little soft tissue. Uh, and, you know, we'll kind of wait and see how that plays out. A few other guys dinged up. You know, Ratley missing some valuable time right now with the way the other wide receivers in the room are playing.
3: Missing some time, and unfortunately this is the nature of the business, uh, losing some ground, I think, in that battle for that position. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think he was in a good spot before, but it, it just depends on how long he's going to be out. I think if he's back – Soon, I think he'll be all right. And I think he's got a really good shot to make the team. But if you miss a few weeks, that can that can really put you behind. And I think we'll know the severity of some of these running back injuries based on if there's a roster move or not. Usually usually don't go back-to-back days at camp without three running backs. So, I mean, this this could mean we're, we're seeing potentially Kareem Hunt back by Monday, potentially Duke is back by Sunday or Monday. I think Freddie called him a quick healer. So he that, that might mean something that's not too serious. So I would expect – either a new face added to that room or one of these three guys that are out either back tomorrow or
3: Monday. Sounds like a
1: superpower being a quick healer. Indeed. I wish I had that ability. I no, certainly do no, not. Definitely not. Uh, I know for a fact, because you and I both walked over during the seven on seven period, I got a little bored watching that. And I saw that the offensive linemen were going against the defensive linemen. Oh, yes. uh, you being the lineman aficionado and uh resident hog molly ran around the field your biggest yes (laughs) I saw you running I was not running it was hot uh I did make my way over there though your takeaways from what you saw today with those guys
3: uh you know it was really fun to just see them in pads first off you you get what you expect from from a Joel Petonio from a J.C. Treader. Chris Hubbard, I don't think I realized last year, has has really sweet feet. You know, he's lighter on his feet than you'd anticipate, and I think that really helps him out at times. I thought Kendall Lamb looked better today than he did yesterday. I think putting the pads on definitely helps him because he's a bigger guy. He's, he's a more physical guy. Um, Eric Cush has had a really good day, just all around team, group, and individual. He was very good all day. And some good dance moves when they put the music on yes. in a few of the uh, periods. Yes, definitely. That's good. Uh, Kyle Kalis is a very stout guy. Uh, you can just see his strength in the way that his body – the way his legs are bent and, and, and the shape he takes from the side and how he gets into somebody and just kind of owns that, you know he's very strong. Um, there were some mistakes that he made throughout the day, but he was very strong. I think Austin Corbett looked pretty good. Greg Robinson from the, the team earlier team section to then the one- on-ones against because he had Miles Garrett matched up with him all day. And let's face it. I think ninety nine point nine percent of people on Earth are going to struggle against Miles Garrett. So this is no knock on Greg, but there were times where he got beat by Miles in those team group and those teams and and uh, group sessions. The one on ones, he was much better, and uh, that was really encouraging to see because he's a big guy, and if he gets his feet moving correctly, he can do he can protect against pretty much anybody. And he did pretty well in that session.
1: Yeah, I, I think the other, you know, today was Cush's day at the guard spot as a starter. So yeah. you've seen Cush. You've seen Corbett, and you've seen Kalis. Yep. So tomorrow, do we see Corbett again, or? Well, it should, well, according I mean, to that
3: rotation, yeah. It should go back to Corbett, and then we should see Kalis next day and then Kush again. But if I had to pick a starter right now, and this, I don't think this should really surprise anybody. If I had to pick somebody to start at right guard today, which we thankfully don't have to do, I would pick Eric Kush. I mean, it's, he's, it, it's not one where you're going to sit back and go, Wow, he's got a sizable lead, but he has definitely been the best player at that position, and that should be expected. He's got experience in the league. He's been through many camps, and he's a big dude, and he's strong, and he takes it seriously. So that's not a huge surprise. Um, I think Corbett, he had a couple nice blocks. There was one period, I think it was it was either team or inside run in a group session where uh, they, they had a double team, which they had worked on an individual to start the day. They did a little bit of a double team on a three technique, and Corbett chipped off inside. And basically what they did was they ran – They ran the ball uh, on the right side, and Corbett and and the tackle he was playing with, I believe it was, I don't know who was playing right tackle. It might have been Kendall Lamb. They double teamed, and then Corbett chipped off inside and sealed the second-level defender who was coming to fill that hole and created a nice little lane, and Dontrell Hilliard went right through it about six to eight yards for a touchdown. And it was probably a play that didn't resonate with anybody because it was just, well, it's a touchdown in in training camp or whatever, and it wasn't from a long distance. But when I saw that, I was like, that's great, because I had just sat and watched them ten minutes prior go through every single scenario in which you've got to I mean they did multiple drills one where they were passing guys off as if they were facing blitzes and another one where they were working on double teams and chip it off but they were coming from a wide range because you got to use your peripheral vision in those situations and and his vision is great and his ability to quickly decide to target that guy and then execute that block was really good so that was encouraging to see
1: that's a look at what happened on day number three here in pads in Berea and training camp We get ready for day number four. Tomorrow, it's going to be a hot one yet again. I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Andrew Gribble. He's Nick Shook to the right of me. And coming up on the show, you will hear from head coach Freddie Kitchens. You'll hear from Browns safety Jermaine Whitehead. We'll tell you what to watch for in tomorrow's practice. Right now, though, in our interview segment of the day, our own Andrew Gribble had a chance to sit down with former Browns quarterback and now News 5 analyst for our preseason games on TV. Tim Couch.
2: All right Tim just first off what's it like being back for kind of a second consecutive year and, and maybe what's the biggest difference you've seen uh, from what you saw last year to what you saw these past couple of days.
0: Well, it's great to be back for another year and be around the team again and uh, you know just the obvious thing that jumps out at you is just uh, you know just the hype around this football team and you know rightfully so just the talent that they brought in uh, during the off season and just uh, the way they finished the season last year there's so much optimism for the upcoming season and what this team can uh, can possibly accomplish and um, it's just, uh, you know, just a lot of hype, a lot of fun right now, and uh, they look good so far in training camp.
2: How much can a player like Odell Beckham help Baker Mayfield out there?
0: Well, it's a it's a difference maker. You know, he's one of the biggest weapons in, in the entire National Football League, and uh, you get a guy like that. He's, uh, you know, he just dictates uh, dictates coverage a lot. You know, it helps it uh, make the reads easier for a quarterback because Odell's going to get coverage rolled to his side quite a bit. He's going to get double teamed, which frees up guys like Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins and uh, some in Callaway guys like that. So, you know, they can get some uh, single coverage on the outside, and uh, just it just helps the quarterback quite a bit. And then you also have a guy that you know, if you get one on one coverage with Odell, and uh, you there's really no read to it. You just you know, you go back and throw the ball to Odell and let him make a play for you. So uh, it's, a, it's a big time player, a difference maker, and uh, I can't wait to see them play together. Is it a
2: challenge for Baker to not have to try to throw it too much to Odell? Because it it seems like he can be a security blanket out
0: there. Well, Absolutely. That's one of the things you have to guard against when you have a guy like Odell, who you want to get the football to as many times as possible throughout the football game, that uh, you have to guard against forcing it to him, Uh, you know, because the defense, they're going to try and take Odell away and make other players beat you. So you have to be disciplined when you try to get him to football and how you get him to football. And it's, uh, it's one of those things that Baker will have to work through as the season goes on.
2: What's the, the there's always the talk about the sophomore slump for quarterbacks. What, what what goes into that from from what you experienced and how does how does one avoid that?
0: Well, I think you just have to learn from, uh, you know, the year before, you know, gain, uh, you know, gain the experience. You know, he got to play a lot last year. He played really well, uh, especially towards the end of the year and just kind of take, you know, just try to build off that momentum and and realize why he was playing so well towards the end of the year and why he felt so comfortable and and those kind of things and just try to build on that. And, you know, I don't think there's really going to be a sophomore slump for Baker. I I don't see that at all just because of, you know, the talent and the pieces they put in place around him. I think John Dorsey has done an unbelievable job of building this roster uh, for Baker to go out and have success. You know, it's uh, He can rely on his running game. He's got all these great uh, weapons around him to get the ball to Najoku, Duke Johnson out of the backfield, Chubb, uh, you know Baker. I mean uh, Odell and, and Jarvis. All these guys that he can just get the football to, get it out of his hand quick, and let him go make a play for him.
2: How different is it for a quarterback coming into his second can- training camp as compared to that first thing when your head's
0: spinning? That well, thing? it's a big difference. Uh, you know that first camp, you're really just trying to get the play called in the huddle and uh, just kind of spit it out and not mess up, and just try to, you know. And so so your head is really spinning. And you know, year two, you really come in with a lot of confidence and uh, you know a lot of a lot of composure and you understand kind of what to expect from the season, what to expect from training camp. And, you know, it's year two of of, of this system for Baker, so he knows it really well. And uh, so he he certainly looks and feels more comfortable out on the field, and I'm sure it'll, uh, it'll translate into more yards and touchdowns.
2: What was the one thing you liked that he did best last
0: year? You know, the biggest thing I like about Baker's game is the the way he anticipates throws. Um, You know, I think for a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback starting in the NFL, one of the biggest things uh, that's that's hard to learn is anticipating the throws and throwing guys open. You know, a lot of young quarterbacks want to see the receiver come out of route, kind of see him break open instead of anticipating and throw it to a spot and make sure and let the receiver get out there and get it and Baker really anticipates throws well Uh, he doesn't hesitate he's very sure of himself he believes in what he's seeing and what he's reading from the defense and he just gets back there and lets it go man he he throws the football with a lot of confidence and conviction and uh, I think that's that's pretty rare for a young quarterback. We see the
2: offense and defense John with each other back and forth during, during training camp just going back to your playing days how much was that going on in in August and how does it change when you guys kind of come together and stop playing against each other?
0: Yeah, it goes on a lot, you know, during training camp, you know, you're just sick of each other, you know, you've been competing against each other, you know, throughout OTAs and mini camps and then, you know, in training camp, you just really want to see another you know compete against someone else a different color jersey and it's uh it's funny how you kind of can't stand these guys and, and you know in the locker room you're sick of competing against them and as soon as another jersey comes out on the field you guys just bond together and and um you know realize you, you've made each other better with all the competition that you've been through uh throughout the offseason and training camp so it's a uh, it's a unique experience and uh but but there certainly is that wall you hit where you just you're just dying to play another team
2: what what's the one thing this team needs to do to get to where it wants to be this season
0: Well, they just have to go out and take care of business. You know, the the talent level is there. Um, The pieces are in place. They just have to go out and do it. They, you know, just go out and do what uh, everyone expects them to do. Baker has to play at the level everyone expects him to play at and and take a step forward from where he was last year. And, uh, you know, the the defense, you know, obviously has to step up. You know, they they struggled at times last year, uh, but they they brought in some new guys. The the front four on defense is just going to be, you know, nasty. I'm glad I'm not playing against those guys. But, uh, um, you know, they, they just have to go out and take care of business, really.
1: Great stuff from Tim Couch. Gribs, outstanding work by you. Biggest takeaway for from the Browns' former quarterback on what he saw here?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting because I remember talking with Tim Couch at this time last year, and I remember his his advice was at the time was like, let's give Baker the time he needs. He was on board with the Tyrod Taylor uh, plan. And then I think now, though, he saw what Baker can do and his insight on him and really kind of pinpointing what he does well. And on top of that, understanding that – this supporting cast around Baker uh, is a little different than the one Tim Couch had around him uh, <laughs> Just during, a little during his few years here in Cleveland. And I think that that all can can help kind of surround and create a situation where you have a second-year quarterback poised for a lot of success for for years to come here. And I think Couch provides kind of a, an interesting perspective because he went through all the hype, but he went through some adversity too. Uh, and I think Baker's got some adversity coming his way as well. I mean, it's, it's early in his career. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just a, it's a good perspective and a, and a great day where you have Brian Seip, Tim Couch and Baker Mayfield uh, taking photos together on the field. Three generations of Browns quarterbacks right
3: there. A great moment for Browns history. But, you know, I think the, the the way that a team should go about whether or not they play their rookie quarterback, their high pick earlier, if they sit him, I think it should always be a case by case basis. And Correct. I, I tend to lean towards sitting him more than more often than not primarily because I think out of the majority of quarterbacks or really athletes, you're going the, the lesser percentage is going to be the type with B- Baker Mayfield's disposition, which is th- they're the type that rises to the occasion in the face of adversity. I think more often than not, especially now in the era of specialization and, and, and all these camps and everything else that, else that these kids go to now, is a lot of these young kids are groomed to be quarterbacks from a young age, whether it's their parents or whoever else and they don't necessarily have what it takes to overcome such adversity, whereas Baker was a guy who had to walk onto the school that he won a Heisman Trophy at Among other things, he went to a program that was on the rise in in becoming one of the great national powers, especially one of the powers in Texas when he was in high school. He had to walk in the footsteps of Garrett Gilbert, who was a five-star recruit and the Gatorade National Player of the Year. So he's had to deal with both expectation, adversity, and overcoming obstacles because people never thought that he was tall enough or he was good enough to play that position. So in, in relation to that, I think that more often than not, you get the guys who don't have that experience and can't necessarily play right away or succeed whereas Baker does have that so it's definitely interesting to to hear a different perspective from a guy like Tim Couch who came in with those expectations didn't necessarily find the success but also like you said wasn't equipped for to uh to have that success when he came here with the Browns I think that Tim
1: Couch would like just two of our offensive
3: linemen <laughs> yeah
1: yeah much less a whole offensive line and probably probably Three or four more playmates. He would
3: be happy. outside of Kevin Johnson. Yeah, I,
2: Kevin I Johnson would be on this team. He might yes, be the fourth or yeah. fifth guy. I was gonna say. Oh yeah,
3: I would imagine he would enjoy having Richard Higgins next to Kevin Johnson. <laughs> yeah, that's the first
1: name that I was thinking yeah. of. Great job by you, Gribbs, and, and appreciate Tim Couch's uh, expertise on things. We'll be talking to him more throughout training camp. Right now, time to get into our sound bites of the day. The first one: the safety of the Cleveland Browns, Jermaine Whitehead, on how he's been able to create this safety spot for him, this starting spot, and the work that went in to creating that safety starting spot.
4: This a defense uh,
1: Coach Wilkes has ran before. Uh, he used Shaq Thompson in it. He used Buda Baker in it. So, I mean, just, he was looking for another safety that could fit in those roles. And, you know, after watching the film, and I, I figured out, you know, that's probably my quickest way on the field. on the field. So I found out what to do in that role. And, you know, just been trying to progress ever since. White had... A fascinating guy that really has come on the scene in OTAs and mini camp and continue to play at a pretty high level here through these first three days of training camp.
2: Yeah, I want to get John Dorsey on the uh, in a chair, give him the truth serum, and I want to know, <laughs> did you know that this was the potential of this guy when you made a waiver claim for him midway through last season? Because it's just like – it just happens where he plays special teams the rest of the season, and then all of a sudden we come to OTAs and – there he is with the first team, and everyone's talking about how great of a leader he is, and it's as if like we just blinked and he became a starter on this defense. It's, it's crazy how that's happened.
3: I'm of the school of thought that of the moves that John Dorsey makes, 85% are ones that he sees or foresees, and 15% are luck. And I think that's true of any good GM. And I do think that he saw this coming because Jermaine Whitehead was a contributor for the Packers before they suddenly cut ties with him, and they primarily cut ties with him because – of an ejection, you know, he was ejected from a mid-season game for getting into a fight, basically, and and it was a tumultuous year for the Packers in general, and they just didn't have the appetite for that. But he's a good football player. I mean, there's a reason that they claimed the Browns claimed him, and and so so quickly. So I, I'm surprised, though. I'm very surprised that that he's doing this, and I think that the addition of Steve Wilkes as the defensive coordinator also really created an avenue for Jermaine to have this opportunity, because I'm not sure he would have had it. Had you not had a defensive coordinator who likes to go with the three safety look and really likes to utilize a lot of different guys in different positions, which I think bodes well for the type of player who Jermaine is. And and so far, you know, I was half expecting that maybe we would see a, a shuffling of safeties at this point in camp, and and we haven't. We've seen the opposite. No. So it's 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 continued on this path, and it's it's really interesting to watch.
1: And it hasn't been a shortage of plays. Like Eric Murray with the pick six yeah. today to wrap up practice. I mean it. There are guys out there
3: making plays, but Whitehead just remains consistent and steady. It's going to be one of those interesting roster decisions once we get to the end of camp and the end of the preseason is, is how many safeties do they keep? How many cornerbacks do they keep? And because they like to go with this three safety look so often, do you exchange a cornerback slot for a safety slot to keep somebody? Because it seems like right now they're going to have a tough time saying goodbye to any of those five guys they have at the position right now. we got a long way to go. A lot of things usually sort themselves out. But right now, that's going to be a tough call. Right. I think you go with five.
2: Yeah. I, based on how you're playing defense, I think you've got to go with five safeties on this I, I roster. I would
1: agree. You know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. No. Because you've got the horses up front right yeah. now. Yeah. All right. Cut number two, Freddie Kitchens today on two guys that we've already talked about quite a bit in Blake Jackson and Damon Sheehy Giuseppe. Some interesting things from him on those two guys, but then also what he calls – exposure and being exposed.
4: Uh, just their willingness to get better and, and continue to learn and, and take reps, uh, and I tell you something about those two guys, you better be in there in the huddle or they're going to jump in and get you rep. So, uh, you know, that's why I like that kind of stuff. I like people that want to. I like people that, that strive to get extra attention uh, because in the National Football League, especially during this time of year, you're either going to get exposed or you're going to get exposure and I think you'd much rather have exposure than getting exposed because getting exposed I means you're probably not going to be here when the, the calendar turns to September.
1: Freddie Kitchen's uh, really pretty high on the back end guys, especially Jackson and Giuseppe, and they're, they're pushing some of those guys in the middle of that room for some playing time, and he said it himself, be careful. You better be in the huddle or they're going to hop in and take your
3: rep. I think Freddie really appreciates hard workers more than anything, guys who are showing that not only will they be there on time and in the right place at the right time, they're going to put in the extra effort to really get better at this job because they know that their window of, of opportunity is smaller than the average player because they're the back end of the roster guy, and they're going to go out there and leave it all on the field every single day, and so far we've seen that out of, out of Sheehy, we've seen it out of Blake Jackson, and the funny thing too is like when you when you sit back and watch these guys an individual and and you see Baker throwing passes at everybody. You see Odell, and you see Jarvis, and, and they have their visors on, and they're, they're all geared out, and you can tell, okay, I know you know who these guys are walking up before you even look at their jersey number. And then you see another guy with a visor, and you watch him run a, a route and catch a pass, and you're like, oh, wow, that was a nice catch. Who was that? Oh, that's not 13. That's that's 12. That's Blake Jackson. He Wow, okay. That's kind of the day he had today and, and the impression he started to make. Uh, in the early parts of this camp so far. So it's, it's definitely uh, it's fun to watch, and it'll be another intriguing plot line as we go forward.
2: I always keep my eyes on guys like Blake Jackson when it comes to final spots on rosters because there's clearly something they like about him because he didn't make the team last year, but it was on the practice squad the majority of last year. Hanging around, just still on the team. I mean, we always been,
1: <laughs> watch to see who's gonna, who can stay on the practice squad for the entire year if they don't get. Yeah, and it, up.
2: it's tough, and it's kind of hard to do. I mean, because there's so many moving pieces. You're bringing in guys on the practice squad because of injury reasons and, and things of that nature. But you know, Blake Jackson's been here since last year's training camp, so he's he's been here a while. Uh, and I there's something they see in him, and I think he is in the mix, certainly for for that fifth or sixth spot in that run. And,
1: and there's some kind of chemistry with him and Baker like they they spent some time together in this off season like you you'd see baker baker would post a picture or one of the other wide receivers they'd all be hanging out and there was Blake Jackson in the middle of that and that's that's kind of how hollywood has resurrected his career a little bit you know getting in and forming that camaraderie and that chemistry with baker mayfield and it, it's elevated his game to the point where he's with the first team right now
3: yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to, to look at the company that guys keep. Yeah. And, and they always say um, you are who who the people you surround yourself with are. I mean, that's basically how you're defined. I would imagine if you're hanging out with Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry and now Odell Beckham and Rashard Higgins and those guys, that's a, that's a pretty good company, and you're going to raise your own standard over time. And Maybe we're starting to see the effects of that pay off right now.
1: All right, final one from Freddie Kitchens. Uh, It was an interesting one that stood out to me today. And why is it important to you that there's a difference between being dressed and being on the bike?
4: Their teammates see them over there on a bike. I mean, that's like, I don't know what that is. I've never understood that. So I don't want to get into that. That was last year. This is my philosophy. And somebody's going to think I'm an idiot, all right? But I don't really care, all right? So I'm not going to change how I feel because of what somebody else says or what somebody else does or what somebody else thinks of me or thinks – how I'm running at the shield, you know, it's, that's what I decided to do because I think it builds teamness and togetherness. And I think we've got to be together before we do anything. I've said that from the very beginning. And uh, I think if you've got some guys over there on the bike um, that can practice, all right, uh, they need to go through individual periods. They need to go over. They need to stand by their coach in their uniform with their helmet ready to listen and learn and teach the other guys. Morgan Burnett's been in this league a long time. He knows what's going on. So, um, you know, that's just my philosophy. I just think they need to be a part of it. They're part of the team. So be a part of the team.
1: So obviously this goes back to last year. And he said he didn't want to talk about it. We're not going to dwell on last year. But clearly we're not seeing as many guys on the bike. We're seeing guys dressed even when they maybe have a day off. It's not really a day off. It's maybe less plays in the eleven on elevens, but going through all of your individual drills and getting that stuff done.
2: And even the injured guys, I feel like are around a little bit more than than in the past. I mean, they do their beginning of practice stuff yep. when everyone else is stretching, but you know they're they're around uh, a lot more. They're standing around even if they may not want to be. I mean, it's hot out there. They're not doing anything. They're not playing. It might be tough for them to watch, but but they're all those running backs who've been out. They're standing right along everyone else. So. Again, I, I like the, I like the, even the self awareness that Kitchens has though because it's it's like a natural instinct. Like he he says like eventually someone's gonna call me an idiot because it's like w- everywhere you go in the NFL, whenever there's the next coach and there's like a way of doing things differently, you like look at the past as like the way you shouldn't have done things. And I think like obviously that's he understands that, uh, but you know it's it's just his style and that's that's what it's gonna be with him here.
3: Yeah, it, I think it's funny because. But even when, but this goes back to like minicamp and OTAs, like Jarvis Landry sat out, but he was there in his jersey and his hat and on the sideline and everything. And I thought at the time it was a little bit interesting just because you don't necessarily see that all the time, but it, it also seems natural. I mean, if you're going to miss practice, but you're able to still be there, be, be with your teammates, you should be there. You should be with them on the sideline. Involved. You should be involved in, in not nec- maybe even in the huddle, actually, just not playing. Correct. But everything else you could possibly do. And yet, if you think about it from the, the larger picture, A lot of teams have not operated this way for many years. The bike thing is kind of a a normal thing, at least in some camps, and and then you start to think, well, well, what's the logic behind that? You know, why why is that guy over there on the bike? Other than keep his legs warm, you want to just have some active rest, even though he's injured right now. It doesn't necessarily make sense. The treatment thing makes sense. So, it 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 was encouraging to see Kareem standing there right next to the rest of the running backs and, and Duke as well. You know, he's got his leg wrapped, but. He's right there talking with them as well, and, and, and it's, I think it's really good. It's positive because you do have to build that team. There are so many new faces here. Those guys have to spend time together. I mean, you even looked. I looked over on the sideline today, and Demetrius Harris is on a knee, and who is he talking to? Kareem Hunt. How do they know each other? They were both in Kansas City last year. I mean, they're going to talk to the guys who are familiar, but eventually you have to branch out beyond that because you've got to strengthen the fabric of this team. They're going to go through a lot of adversity this year, and they're going to have a lot of eyes on them, and they need to stick together as one if they're going to make it through.
1: All right, guys, what to watch for. Day four tomorrow. We're going five days in a row before we get our first day off on Tuesday. What can we expect to see tomorrow? What are you looking forward to seeing tomorrow?
2: I'm stealing his thunder. I'm going offensive line. Austin Corbett, big day for him tomorrow. Yeah. Huge day for him. you got to be – this is the, This is – we've all been talking about, you know, the competition. We'll start on the on. This is the competition. And I think with offensive line chemistry, you're on an expedited timetable. So it, this, these are the, the big days in this competition right now.
3: The pressure is on. I, I think today put a little bit of pressure on whoever wants to win that job because I think the and I think John Dorsey knew this when he made this signing. But I think the Browns would be okay if they played Eric Kush at right guard to start the season, and the need is lessened. And I think the pressure is on Kyle Kalis and Austin Corbett to take a lead. In in, in today, you know, Kalis played backup center at the second team. And he had to take a trip down to the fence and back because he had a false start. Uh, Brad Seaton had to do that as well. You know, we learned today that that's a form of punishment for guys who false start. Is uh, you know, get your tail down to the fence Little and run. back. Yeah, get you know, 50 yards, whatever. Get down there and get back. Um, but I think my big thing I want to see tomorrow is the play of Taki Taki. because uh, Jermaine Whitehead today in his presser talked about how well. Uh, Taki Taki played, I think, no, actually it was, I'm sorry, it was Greedy Williams, fellow rookie Greedy Williams, who had said, you know, yeah, he goes a million miles an hour nonstop, and he even talked about, just wait till we put the pads on, I'm going to be a different player, just wait, just wait, and he said he had a really good practice today, so I didn't get to see a whole lot of it, I did hear him shout with joy very early in one of the team sessions after making a play, and he's a guy who flies around the field, and I've been looking forward to watching him already, so I'm going to try and pay closer attention uh, to him tomorrow and see... What kind of you know a uh, uh, plays he can make out in the field, and also uh, do we see the defensive line gain a little bit of ground tomorrow? Because I think they lost a little bit today, just a little bit. Because with the pads coming on, I love to always watch that fight back and forth as a unit versus another another unit, and how well they can pressure the offense and see if they can continue to make Baker Mayfield uncomfortable. I'm
1: looking forward to seeing if the defense can shut down the offense at the end of practice. Yeah, they did they did have the pick six today, but. First team went right down the field on three plays and scored. And the day before on the last play when yeah. they brought both first teams out, Baker with a touchdown to Najoku, I would expect that to happen again tomorrow Can the defense rise to the occasion yeah, slow that down. Yeah,
3: even the session prior to that yesterday, the earlier one where they were in the red zone, they won that as well. So, yeah, I totally agree.
1: All right. Guys, a pleasure as always. Go get some rest or uh, just keep working through the night, which seems to be the theme for all of us. <laughs> yeah. uh, for Andrew Gribble, for Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. Make sure you log on to clevelandbrowns.com to get this podcast, or you can go on to iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts and go to Cleveland Browns Daily and more to, uh, to get this episode of the best podcast available For the two gentlemen sitting next to me, we'll talk to you tomorrow from Berea. This has been the best podcast available.